All right, let's take our Bibles tonight. We'll turn over to Isaiah chapter number 40. Book of Isaiah chapter number 40. I appreciate all of you being out in the house of the Lord this evening and for the privilege to have been with you in these days. Thank you for the invitation, Brother David, and uh, thank God for the privilege to be here and see a lot of folk in our local area. And it's always good to worship here close to home and uh, preach the Word of God near home. I don't get to do that a whole lot. We get around the world and back every year, uh, but it's good to be at home. And I'm glad God's still got a people, and He's still got a church, and folk that are holding the line. Amen. Let's stand tonight. We'll reverence God's Word together. Isaiah chapter number 40, and we're going to look down in verse number 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Lord, we want to thank you for this precious promise in the Word of God. Lord, as we endeavor to look into it tonight, I pray that it might be a word that's fresh to our hearts, bring renewing. I pray, God, you'd bathe this congregation in encouragement. Lord, I pray that you'll bathe conviction upon the soul of sinners. May they be saved tonight. Lord, I pray you'd send revival. We thank you for your goodness and mercy. Thank you for what you've said to us, what you've done for us this week. And I pray, God, that word, and I believe and I know that it'll go forth and accomplish that which you've sent it to do, and it will not return void. Our eyes are upon you now. Lord, bless Brother uh, David and his ministry and his labors in this community. Add to this church many a soul in number, and then, Lord, work in nature in a special way, and, and Lord, develop and uh, use this church in a great and a mighty way. Have your way in our hearts now. We'll thank you for what you do. By your grace, we will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. After the service, we've got some newsletters out back and schedules and I want you to pick one of these up and remember us in prayer, and you can look in our ministry and see a little bit of what we're trying to do around the world, and we're grateful for those of you that do pray for us and uh, help us along the journey, and we don't take that for granted. All right, Isaiah chapter number 40 and verse number 31 is a verse that you see on a lot of plaques and walls and a lot of banners. And that's because it is such an important verse, and it's such a precious promise to the children of God. And you know, these promises are just like the old Jersey cow. Uh, you got her out in the barn, and you go back to her morning and evening, week after week, and she supplies you fresh milk and butter every time you go. Praise God, I go to these promises, and they never have dried up. Oh, a lot of things of the world dry up, you get tired of them. I mean, you, you know, I used to really like a lot of different hobbies and this, that, and the other. Now, I really don't care for them. But the Word of God, it's always fresh. These promises have always got something rich and something new. And it may be a particular experience that you're going through in that time of life that makes that Word so dear to you. It may be that uh, uh, that's what you need for the battle in that hour. But the Lord's able to give us freshness from these promises. And tonight I want to look at this thought of waiting on God. 
waiting on God. Now, we're not a waiting generation, are we? We're a hurry, worry, and bury. We, we, we can't even take time to tell them what we want when we pull up to McDonald's. I want a one. Give me a four. Give me a six. On a nine, supersize it. We can eat it short, shorthand. Uh, everything we do is quick and fast and go and hurry. And uh, if there's any delay in it, there's a real problem. And we get uh, really agitated about it. But there's something about waiting. You know, they advertise these TV dinners. Oh, just like Grandma used to make. And just pop them in the microwave. Two and a half minutes, you got a full-blown meal. I mean, potatoes are steaming, hot gravy, and all oh, that good chicken and all that. Evidently, they never have eat a meal cooked on a wood stove. Evidently, they've never eat a meal that's simmered in the oven all night longer, the crock pot, because you can't get out of that jiffy quick stuff what you do, a good meal that simmers. Amen. And you know, as a result of our hurry and our, our get up and, and it's, sometimes it's hard and a lot of folk can't do it. I mean, to sit down in the house of God, keep their hands off their cell phone, put their Bible in their lap, open their ears and just be patient and wait. It just, they get fidgety. I mean, they get antsy. How long is that preacher going to preach? It's been 25 minutes and you'll see them shaking their watch and looking at it and all that. I mean, they just got to reach and grab and do. As soon as they get in the car, hit the radio, run the dial, seek dial, you know, and all that. Just continue. We need to learn the art in this hour of waiting on God. You know what we've been doing every night by gathering in the house of God together? We've been waiting on God. You got businesses, you got jobs, you got families, you got school. We've got all kind of things and responsibilities to take care of. You know what you've done tonight? You said, that can wait. I'm going to come and worship the Lord. I'm going to open my heart. I'm going to take some time and ask God to do something for me. And the secret of waiting on God is being attended to Him. And there will always be the blessing. And Isaiah 40, 31 promises us that blessing. They that wait upon the Lord shall. That's an auxiliary verb, and it means it's going to come to pass. This will be the natural product of it. This is what it will produce. This is what you will experience. You shall renew your strength, mount up with wings as eagles, run and not be weary, and walk and not faint. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, they made it years ago, Chariot of Fire. And it was about a Christian guy that refused to run on Sunday and a Jewish guy refused to run on Saturday. Well, uh, that guy on Sunday when everybody was out there running the race, he read Isaiah chapter number 40, the entirety of that chapter. And I remember the first time I saw it years ago, I think it was in black and white, I just remember the awe that was there in that congregation as he was in the house of God and they had him read. And he read that majestic chapter of Isaiah chapter number 40. And you know what? He wound up winning and uh, getting a gold medal and all that in the, in the race and everything. But he waited on God and he looked to the Lord. Well, I want to say thank God champions in this life learn to wait on the Lord and let God guide their hand and guide their lives. Amen.
Now, let's notice first of all who we are to wait on. The Lord's person. But they that wait upon the Lord. Well, what Lord is he talking about? Isaiah 40 is one of the more descriptive chapters in the Bible of who our God is. Look in verse number 9, the letter three words. Behold your God, exclamation point. Well, what kind of God is he? He says in verse number 6, the voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is his grass. And all the goodliness thereof is the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord blow upon it. Surely the people is grass, the grass withereth, and the flower fadeth. But the word of, the, of our God shall stand forever. The first thought about God is He's the continuing God. Flesh is His grass. It grows up, it's here today, gone tomorrow. Flowers bloom, they're here, they're gone. You know, with the passing of my dad a couple of months ago or so, it just brings to a fresh uh, a meditation on how brief life is. And the only thing you're going to leave behind is what you've done for Christ. We can build our kingdoms. We can have our empires. We can uh, develop a large portfolio. But when you come down to die, the only thing you're really going to leave behind is what you've done for eternity. And my friend, there's a lot of folk that are grasping for straws and they're trying to find satisfaction in everything in this world when really the only place of satisfaction is serving our God. And we're here for just a little short span. If you're here 80, 90, 100 years, that's still a short span. Uh, it's not even a speck in the bucket compared to eternity that we'll be with the Lord forever. And I know we want to be diligent and we need to do all that we can. But as we go through here, we need to have in our mind and remember that we're just grass. We're here today and cut down tomorrow. The brevity of life. Why, pass our church up there, New Freedom. And I thought about putting a big sign up in the graveyard there in the edge of it saying, uh, in this graveyard I do lie and before long you'll be as I. Amen. And uh, well, I'll tell you, uh, we need to remember that. And when you go by these graveyards and you say, and these tombstones, they're standing there saying, hey, hey, you're headed this way. Live for God. Wait on the Lord. Remember, He's the continuing God. He's the eternal God from generation to generation. Infidels come and they go. Preached in Paris, France for three months. Preached every weeknight in Paris and then on the weekends traveled to different parts of France and preached in all kind of churches. But we covered Paris with the gospel, 350,000 gospels of John and Romans. And it's laid out in what they call arrondissements. And it's like a snail. It starts in the center down around the Eiffel Tower and then it just goes out further and further in big circles like a snail. And they have these different areas. And when you ride the underground uh, subway, uh, you can get off in different countries, literally. You can get off in Germantown. A bunch of Germans live there. You can go around the corner, and there's Africa. You go around the corner. Here's the Arabic section, and then you've got uh, the Jewish section. Then you've got the French quarters and all this. And so we hit all of those areas as we went round and round and round, carrying the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I remember... Uh, in all of that, how uh, we ran into so many people that were of a mindset that this is it. 
uh, brick and building and pavement. That's all there is to it. I want to say, my friend, that it's easy to get our mind on the fact that uh, the world is here and we're going to occupy it and we're going to get eat up with the world. And I think Brother David from France came and he stayed in these mountains up at my house about two weeks. I asked him at the end what he thought about it. He said, I was raised in Paris. And he said, every day I got up and looked and saw nothing but mortar and brick and cement and what was made by man. He said, but every morning I get up and look out over your porch and see these mountains that is in the fall of the year. And he said, all I see is God, God, God. It just screams out of God, God. And he said, it's just been overwhelming to my heart. We need to remember that it's the Lord that will continue. But we'd go by old infidel uh, that said by the time he was done, uh, there'd be no Bible and there'd be no Christian. And uh, they had a big statue to him. And I'd throw one of them gospel of John and Romans at his feet every time I'd go by. And the keeper would let it stay there for a while. But people would go by and see it there. And here that infidel's done, gone. He's in hell. But the word of God is continuing right on. It'll outlast all of us. Amen. So he's a Lord you can wait on. He's good for grandpa. He's good for you. He'll be good for another generation and 10,000 more to follow because I'm the Lord. And as they sang a while ago, God changes not. Hallelujah. He's the continuing God. But then not only that, look in verse number 10. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand. His arms shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He's the crown God. The Bible says his strong hand shall rule for him. Who's in charge? Not you, not me, not man, not kings, not presidents, not princes. We have a God with a strong arm who rules and reigns over the affairs of men. Sometimes men forget that, and so God just steps in and stirs things up a little bit. Uh, all them folk in those big storms, when they saw them coming, they realized there's a power bigger than themselves. No matter what they built, no matter how prepared they thought they were, when them waves of water and wind came, they had to understand there's a bigger power than them. Some of them call it Mother Nature, but it's Father God. Out in California, she's on fire, and the people were saying it's like a hot burning hell out there. I thought, well, you don't know what hell's like, but that's getting real close to it. And the Lord can burn that country up. Who's going to fight against that fire when God puts the afterburners on and blows and lets it rip and uh, roar through that part of the country that is so perverse, so wicked, and so ungodly? I want to say the Lord's on the throne. His strong hand shall rule for him. I was blessed. I was with a preacher a little while back. and We were talking about some of the affairs that are going on. He said, you know, it's a blessing to me. I've just been sitting back and watching what God's doing. And isn't it amazing? And instead of getting all tore up and perturbed and aggravated to this, that, and the others, just back up, hang on, see how the puzzle comes together, see what God's accomplishing, see what He's doing. You realize what the Lord's done in the last week while we've been sitting here? He is gutting Hollywood. He's gutting Hollywood. The biggest producer, the biggest donator to Hillary Clinton and the Democratic uh, machine is a pervert, and has come out on him. Now, 
Hugh Hefner just died. They made a hero out of him. You know, he done it in a different way. But this guy, he pinned these people up and said, if you want a job, then you've got to do this, that, and the other. And he's a big part. Now all these other big Hollywood stars, yeah, I knew all about that, but I didn't say nothing. So I knew about it. That's the way that pervert crowd uh, operates. And a lot of people don't know that's who's behind Disney. They don't know about ESPN and who owns all of that. Did you know that? A Saudi Arabian sheikh owns Disney World? You wouldn't think that, would you? You reckon that's got anything to do with him bringing all these migrant workers in and having the Americans train them and then firing them and then bringing other immigrants? What better way to bring Muslim terrorists in than through Mickey Mouse? I mean, our government ought to figure this thing out. I was in the Arab Emirates. They had the entire full-blown front a page on the newspaper about him and how he bought Disney World and all of that. But all that's un- but this stuff's being uncovered. It's being unrooted. People say, oh, well, I didn't know Hollywood was that wicked. You didn't know Hollywood was that wicked? I mean, with all the vomit they're spewing out on us and all the perverts uh, uh, movies and uh, trying to destroy the family and Curse God and hate Christ and all that. It's being uncovered. It's being blown out. I thank God for it. Maybe somebody's eyes will be open. Then uh, the hatred for this nation's being uncovered. But we can't have God's. God's got a plan. That's what I'm trying to say. You wait on God. Don't get all tore up. Don't get all worried. Don't get all agitated. Don't let it get under your skin. It'll work out. Best if you're God's youngin'. He said they're working, but it's working for your glory, for God's glory, and for your good. Amen. I'll move on a little further. Look in verse 11. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. Now he's telling us that he's the caring God. Like a shepherd from the sovereign God with the strong arm ruling. And now he's saying he'll feed his flock like a shepherd. And the shepherd was one of the lowliest task in Israel and in history and yet God said I'll be like a shepherd and a shepherd God had to put it in his heart to be a shepherd you don't just pay a shepherd I mean uh, he had to love those sheep and he's willing not not the hireling but the shepherd the shepherd is willing to give his life to the sheep day by day he leads those sheep he's right there with them he guards them and takes care of them and he's willing to give his life for the sheep that shepherd actually cared. When I preach in England, and especially in the country of Wales, it's known for sheep. And when you go there, them rolling hillsides are all speckled with white sheep. It's a beautiful sight. But I'll go home with those shepherds, and I'm wanting to eat some lamb. I love lamb. I really do. And I'll get on them sometimes. I'll say, hey, we're going to have mutton tonight. Uh, well, no, no. Maybe we'll have some toward the end of the week. And then I'll eat, and it'll be delicious, and I'll say, is this one of your land? No, 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 my wife went to the grocery store and bought that. They won't hardly kill one of them. He may have 5,000 out there, but you very seldom can get a shepherd to kill one of his own sheep. He just, he just won't do it. He's got a heart for those sheep. Well, I'm glad we've got a God who cares about us like a shepherd cares about his sheep. He watches over them. The sheep have everything they need in the shepherd. All they need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why? Because of pastors? Because of rivers? No. Because the Lord's my shepherd. 
and in my shepherd is everything I need. And he knows if I need water, he'll lead me by the still waters. He knows if I need pasture, he'll take me to the green pasture. He knows if I need discipline, he'll restore my soul. Everything I need is in my shepherd. Well, you sing that song here all the time. He's all I need. He's all I need. Well, he's still all I need, and he cares for you like a shepherd. I can wait on this kind of God, can't you? Then I want you to look at the fact he's the creator God, verse 12, who measured the waters in the hall of his hand. Boy, here we go. From the sovereign God to the caring God, now to the creator God. There's a lot of folk I care about, but I can't help them. I was in the hospital today. My mom's been up there. I love her. I want to help her so bad, but I can only do so much. Got right down the down a few rooms down. There's some folk I preached in their church years ago. Her husband uh, suddenly had a stroke. He's doing just fine. They've been in the hospital a day in his life. He's down there, went in there and prayed with them. I want to help them so bad, but I call on the Lord and ask God to help. Got off the elevator today, and a lady, boy, she's looking rough. And I said, who you got up here? She said, a Dow Syndrome daughter, and uh, they're going to do this, that, and the other. I said, you mind if I pray for you? She said, would you please? And I prayed with that dear lady, and she was just crying and thanking God. I said, hey, I can't help you. I don't know your situation. I can't doctor that special needs kid, but I know one that can. Hallelujah. Yes, amen. I know one that can. The one who holds the waters in the hollow of his hand. And he knows that he, we're in his hand and he's in the Father's hand. Meted out the heaven with the span. He's got it all covered. Weighed the mountains of the earth in a measure and the mountains in the scales. He knows the weight of all of that. And he knows the weight on your heart and the burden that you're carrying tonight. And being the creator God, he's able to govern and to help us with all that if we'll turn it over to him. Then look in verse 13. He's the complete God. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord or been his counselor hath taught him? And who took he counsel with and instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding? As quoted in Romans eleven thirty four, when it comes to those blessed truths about uh, what the Lord did for us before we was ever even here. But who's ever had to counsel God? Spock tried to counsel God, didn't he? He said, oh, you folks spanking your kids, you're going to warp her personality. My daddy didn't read that book, and he warped something beside a personality. Amen. Yes, sir. And uh, Spock's kids turned out to be drunks and dopers. There's one perfect child that I ever heard about, and his name's Jesus, and his father wrote a book on how to take care of young'uns and raise them. So I think I'm going to listen to him. Say amen right there. Nobody's ever had to counsel God. Oh, my, my, my. Sometimes I've thought, Lord, what are you doing? And then I found he knows what he's doing. Amen. And then look in verse 15. He's the classless God. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. You mean Russia? Oh, yeah. China? Oh, yeah. India? Yes. North Korea? Yep. America? Yep. Just a drop of a bucket. And that literally means a drop of the water, they're running down the side of the bucket and you go to milky old cow, you put a little water in the bottom to help clean her up and soften her up and all that and get her ready to go. And that old farmer gets his bucket and a little drop of water goes down the side. Uh, he don't stop and say, oh no, my day is ruined. 
What am I going to do? Oh, my, my, my. Drop of this water fell out in the yard. What am I going to do? He don't worry about it. He don't think about it. And God said the nations are like a drop of the bucket. He goes on to say they're like the small dust of the balance. In verse number 17, all nations before him, there's nothing. They're counted to him less than nothing. And he tells us back in the other verses that they're like, uh, in verse 15, the small dust of the balance. You ladies go down there to Ingalls and you say, yeah, I'll have some of that uh, Ingalls roast uh, uh, turkey there on sale. How much you want? Oh, give me about a pound. He throws that piece of paper up there and cuts it, puts it up and weighs it out. He says, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a speck of dust on that scale, man. I can't pay for that. Let's back this thing up. You wipe that off before you give me that meat. You don't even pay it any attention, do you? Oh, boy. If one of God's thoughts got loose in our peanut brains, it'd blow it to smithereens. We're overwhelmed with what's going on. It is mind-boggling and mind-blowing about the affairs, the international affairs happening. God said, I got it under control like a drop of water rolling down the side of the boat. It's like dust on the balance to me. I, I'll take care of it. You just, you just hold tight with me. I, I'll care for you. I'll take you. I think that I can wait on a God like this. I just believe I can trust my life to him. Don't you? Hallelujah. Then in verse 22, he's the conquering God that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth his vanity. All these high princes, judges, they think they've got a position of power. They need to realize there's somebody above them because he's called king of kings. He is Lord of lords. And there's no higher throne than His throne. And there's no throne above His throne. He is the final authority of all things. He's the divine conqueror. Hallelujah. And then look at the conclusion in verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, and there's no searching of His understanding? God is God besides Him. There is none else, and He's never got tired of being God. <laughs> 6,000 years of world history and all the affairs and all the things that have been done, all the things recorded in the Bible, never has worried God. He never has wrung His hands. He never had to scratch His head and wonder what the next step should be. He hadn't had to call together the angels and say, Boys, you got any ideas on this situation? He don't have a cabinet. He don't have a senate. He don't have a people to tell him what to do, glory to God. He's got it under control. He's never fainted and he's never got weary. And he's as powerful and mighty now as he ever was and ever will be. And it never wanes. It never gets smaller. And it never grows because he's complete in all that he is. I wish I could say this. Amen. I wish I could describe him, but words run out and time runs out. We got a God, folk. We got a God. He's not a little idol on the shelf. He's not some man-made uh, appointment of mindset. He's God. Besides him, there is none else. And you know what the blessing is? He's my God. So I see the Lord's person. 
But then secondly, look at this lingering problem. Verse number 30. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Now when you get your eyes off the Lord, here are two things that will happen to you. Notice, first of all, he says, even the youth shall faint. Youth, man, that's the ones that ought to be full of vim and vigor. But he said the youth, when, when even those that are full of vitality and ought to be strong, they get their eyes off God, and you know what's going to happen? They'll faint. Faint means to go to a subconscious state. Brother David, I'll guarantee you that on Sunday morning, you'll have folk come in here, and you'll say, boy, we sure did miss you this past week. Miss me? What do you mean? We've had revival meeting all week. Man, I thought that was next month. You've been announcing it. You've been saying it. Been praying about it and all that. But you know why they didn't hear it? Because they're fainted. I mean, they're out of it. They can be in the house. It's. I like to ask folk, did you go to church Sunday? Oh, yeah. What did you preach, preach on? Uh. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> he preached against sin. What did he say? He said he's against it. <laughs> That's about it, you know. Uh. And, and because we're just, oh, it's hard to get focused and really receive it and get it. Feigning to a subconscious state. It also means to relax like you took a bowstring off. They'd say the bow is fainted. And if there's any archers in here, you know good and well that if your bowstring's off, you're not ready to shoot a deer. You don't climb in the tree stand, take your bowstring off. It has to bear a certain amount of pressure. You've got to knock it up, tune it up, and be ready to sling them arrows, that old big brush pile when it comes through. But uh, you, you, you have that bow. It's an unfit weapon for warfare. We ought to be like a battle bow. That battle bow is strung up and tuned and ready to go, and the first enemy raises his head. I mean, he shoots and he's ready to go. You ought to have your car stuffed with tracks. You ought to have a scripture in your heart. And when a sinner comes by and God said, there he is, fire away. Hallelujah. I mean, not have to wait, well, you know, and get your bow tightened up and then set in target practice, set the knock, the sight and all that. You ought to be ready to go. But a lot of times we faint. But then not only faint, he says fall. They shall utterly fall. That means to go to a lower state. Do you know there are levels of living in Christianity? There are three levels on the ark, wasn't there? The lower, the middle, and the upper stories. Well, there's little children, according to 1 John. Then there's, uh, there's uh, uh, young men, and then there's fathers. There's fruit. There's much fruit. There's more fruit. There's outer court, inner court, holy a holy. There are different maturity levels. You have fallen from your first love. So you never can get back to that. God said you better get back to it or else. Amen. That's just like in a marriage, you know. It's, oh, honey, and open the door and all this, that, and the other. And, oh, sweetheart, where do you want to go? And, oh, yeah, and all that. And she's thinking, if he'll treat me like that the rest of my life, I'll say, yes, I will. And when he picks her up, she's smelling like a rose. I mean, every hair's in place. Oh, just all no wrinkles there. She's smiling in pearly whites. Her just a banging. Oh, yeah. If she, I'll ask her. Well, I'd like to wake up every morning to that. Amen. Honey in the honeymoon. And then time goes on. And then instead of old sweetheart, that's the old woman. What's the old man doing? 
and it's four kids later in the anniversary, and he comes in, and the dishes are piled high, and he says, where's supper at? Well, you know what today is, don't you? Yeah, it's Friday, and I'm glad to be done with work. Well, you don't remember what happened on this day? When? About four years ago. What do you mean? It's our anniversary. Oh, my goodness. Seemed like it's been 40 years. And <laughs> sticking his foot further down. I, well, why ain't there no supper, honey? I thought we might go to that little restaurant you took me to. You know, that's the first T-bone steak I ever ate. And I was so impressed with you. I reckon we go, you know we're on a budget. I done give you $100 to buy three weeks of groceries. What are you thinking, woman? But now we will go to the Green Fly restaurant. They're having a two-for-one special down there. And we'll get one and split it and sit there and watch the tractor and trailers go up and down the interstate. How about that, darling? And you wonder where the first love and the honey's gone out of the honeymoon. Amen. He said, you've fallen. You've fallen from that first love experience. Do that in marriage, but you do that also with the Lord. Boy, you get saved, you praise God, preacher, hallelujah. Anything I can do, we're going to have a work day over to church. All right, man, give me the weed eater and stand back. And then he whacks down some of the flowers that great-grandma planted years ago and gets all chewed out and eat up about them. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't be running no weed eater around here no more, buddy. The goats can get it before I do. I, uh, they didn't give me a pat on the back. They laid it on me for that. And one thing happens and another, and they used to sit on the front row, Woo! bring it on, preacher, hallelujah, and then get a, their taters dug up. Then they get offended, and they roll back a little further. Then a little further and a little further, and then can't hardly get them in faithful, and then they skip here and skip there, and they just keep getting colder and backing up and backing up and backing up and backing up. And the Lord said, even the use, they'll utterly fall. fall. Are you as spiritual as you've ever been? Have you got as good a relationship with God now as you ever have? So I can't say I have. Well, then you've fallen. You went to a lower state, a lower level. The Lord said it'll happen. But he said, here's the cure for it. Let's look at this lovely promise. Here's the provision. Here's how we get over that hump. But they that wait upon the Lord, that's the position to wait. That's to tarry before and get something from God. Take some time and be with Him. Take time to be holy, the old song says. If you don't take some time and read your Bible and pray and commune with Him, then you won't ever get where Isaiah 40, 31 is talking about. And then he said, here's the power. You'll renew your strength. Renew the word revival. Be refreshed. To be rekindled. Aren't you glad God's the God of revival? How many times you've been revived again and again and again? Do you need reviving now, preacher? I do. I need a refreshing and a rekindling of the Lord in my heart. He said, well, wait on me and I will give you a renewal. And then look at the progression. He said, they'll mount up with wings as eagles. That's so you can see. You get a high vision. I got a drone here a while back, and it's got a camera on it. Man, you can take that drone up, and you sit there and watch the camera on that little draw. You can see all kind of things, man. I mean, you're like an, I feel like an eagle flying around. I had a hawk chasing that thing the other day. I thought, I'm getting to see what the hawk sees. And he looks down and sees all that, you know. Well, glory to God. God said, I'm going to lift you up so you can see something. Why is the preacher doing this? Why is he doing that? You get revived and you'll see why he's doing that. Well, what's God going to do in my life? You get to see all that. 
But then he says, I'm going to let you come down and start running and not be weary. I'm going to get you busy. I'm going to put you to work. I'm going to have you doing something. You're going to get busy. Then he said, you'll be walking and not faint. That looks like sort of a uh, degression, don't it? From flying like an eagle to running to now walking. But it's not a digression. It's a strength. Headwaters of the Mississippi. Maybe there's some waterfalls there and the water's running through some narrows. Oh, how beautiful that is. The water's flying. They call Bavard the land of waterfalls. Flying water. And everybody's thinking spectacular. But then it goes down river to river and the river runs down through the valleys and courses together. And then finally, river runs to river in the mouth of the Mississippi. You can't even tell that it's moving. It's just walking along. Just easing along. But you know what? It'll float battleships. It'll take barges. It'll carry loads. Some young folk think, oh, these older folk, they just, you know, they're not spiritual no more. You'd be surprised what a volume they're carrying. Amen. You'd be surprised what's going on. And Israel got freed from Babylon. They jumped up and down, spun around hilariously, danced and shouted. And that's one for the words of Hebrew praise. But then they started running. After about 10 miles, their sides are burning. Their lungs are burning. They said, whew, we got 490 miles to go, boys. We better set into a good pace. Walk, 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 walk. But David, you look out over this crowd, and if some folk are missing, you don't even pay no attention. I mean, you just... You don't pay no attention. You look around, some of them are not sitting there. You're going to get on the phone after say, hey, what's going on? Somebody died? Are you sick? What's happening? Because you know, you know that they're going to be there. Just as faithful as clockwork. You don't have to guess that if you preach something that sort of galls them a little bit, they ain't going to start robbing God of his tithe and trying to starve you out. They're just not going to do it. I mean, they're consistent. They're faithful. They were just marching on. Why? They learned to walk, 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 steady and faithful. And it's that steady and faithful crowd that will get the job done when it comes to the church. I want you to look at your Bible now. Everybody look at Isaiah 40 and 31. I want you to look at it. I want you to stand up. Let's read it out loud. I want you to read it together with me, will you? Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint.